Amen. Praise God. God is good. Amen. Isn't it good to be in church on a Sunday morning? Well, any day it will be good to be in church. Amen. Praise God. Thank you for the invitation to be here with you this morning, Ben. Pastor Ben. Amen. Pastor Ben. Last time I was here, he was Ben. Now he's Pastor Ben. Amen. And uh, I honor you and pray that God will bless you, bless your family, bless your ministry, bless this church under the leadership and the guidance and ministry of uh, Pastor Ben. Amen. Be praying for him, praying for his family. You know, the ministry is, is heavy. The ministry is not easy. I, I, I sometimes find it amusing where people are running around wanting to be a pastor. I want to be a pastor. I want to be a pastor. And I always say, the one that wants to be a pastor has really never been a pastor. They've never been in the pastor's shoes or they've never been around it. Uh, I grew up in a pastor's home, and uh, I know what it, what it means. And then now, now I'm pastoring, and I know what it means. And it's, it's not for the faint-hearted. Amen. And, uh, and any man and woman that says, God, here I am. Use me. I, I, I say yes to the call. That, that is uh, a man and a woman that, that needs our prayer. Amen. So you'd be praying for your pastors. I also want to honor Gerard. So good to see my brother Gerard here. What, what a wonderful thing to, he, he, he said, Gerard is here and the other brother, the, the steward, the Canadian, I, I call him the Canadian brother, amen, but he's Australian, amen. It, it's, it's, this, this kind of a thing doesn't happen in many churches where you have the previous pastor to the previous pastor and then to the, to the current pastor and they're all here in the church and, and there's unity, <laughs> there's unity and, and that's a, that's a, honorable thing. Amen? So you have a good church here, a good foundation, strong, ready for what God wants to do in the future of this beautiful church. Amen? Well, I drove all the way from the south side of Brisbane, Runcon. And anyone else like me this morning woke up one hour earlier? Anyone? Anyone got a Samsung phone? <laughs> yeah. My son's saying, Dad, you got to get to the iPhone. I like Samsung. But I woke up before everyone this morning. I thought, why am I a little bit tired? I woke up one hour before the actual time I needed to wake up. And then I went to wake up my wife. I said, I said Erica, you've got to wake up. You've got to go to church. And she's like, why? She says, I said, it's quarter to eight. She goes, no, it's not. It's quarter to seven. I said, no, it's quarter to eight. Look at my phone. It's quarter to eight. And she says, it's quarter to seven. She showed me, showed me her phone. It was quarter to seven. And I did not realize that overnight there was a change in time. I think in New South Wales, and, and the phones just automatically change their time, and my Samsung phone hasn't caught up with Brisbane yet, so I might have to work that out when I get home. But anyway, so I was ready nice and early this morning, amen, and then drive all the way here, the one-hour drive, and I'm ready to share the Word of God with you this morning. Are you ready to hear the Word of God? Amen. I was in uh, Sydney last weekend, preaching all weekend, in a Spanish church, and a English-speaking church. I'm originally Spanish, if you, if you can't notice that. Uh, someone says he looks Middle Eastern, Lebanese, Pakistani, South American. My dad's from Chile, and my mother's from Spain. And I was born here in Australia. And my wife is from El Salvador. So my kids, my four kids, they don't know where they're from. They, just gotta, they can just pick and choose. Amen. And at least Spain is in the World Cup this year, in the Soccer World Cup. Chile is not... Spain is, and so is Australia. Yeah, good. So they can pick and choose who they want to go for 
in the soccer. Amen. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Luke chapter 15. just want to share for a few minutes a message that I think will sit nicely with this congregation. As I walked into the auditorium this morning, I sensed God's presence in this place. But there is more. Amen. I said there is more, praise God. There is more that God wants for us. Luke chapter 15, verse 8 to verse 9. When you have it, you can say amen, and we'll read it together this morning. The word of the Lord says the following. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, does not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Can you say amen to that word this morning? Powerful uh, passage of Scripture that uh, Jesus himself was giving voice to these words about the woman that had lost a coin, precious coin. And when she lost it, she didn't just say, oh, who cares? It's just another coin. I've got nine. She, she did something. She switched the light on. She turned the light on. And she got the broom, and she began to sweep the house until she found the coin. I, I believe without a shadow of a doubt that the greatest need for the church today is for the presence of God. There's just, everywhere I go to preach, I can't get away from preaching to the church about being hungry for His presence, about desiring His presence. Uh, the greatest need of the church today is not more resources. It's not better music. I, I think the church today has better music than ever before in the history of the church age. The greatest need for the church today is not for, not, not for more money, although we could have more money. Amen. We could do with some more money. But that's not the greatest need of the church. The greatest need of the church today is not for a better auditorium. It's not for more programs. The greatest need for the church today is for the manifest presence of God. It's that presence that Moses said. And when I walked in this morning, Pastor Ben was quoting that and speaking that as he was praying. Moses said, if your presence does not go with me, I don't want to leave this place. What's he talking about there? The manifest presence. God's omnipresent. He is everywhere. But his, his manifest presence is not everywhere. If your presence does not go with me to the promised land, I would rather stay in the desert with your presence than in the promised land without your presence. That's, that's the presence that we're talking about. It's the presence that David wrote. In your presence there is fullness of joy. David would say, God, you can deal with me, deal with my sin, but please take not your Holy Spirit from me. It's his presence. It's his presence. When David became the king of Israel, 
You can read it there in 2 Samuel chapter 6. The first order of business was, first order of business. He didn't say we need to get a good team around us. He didn't say we need to check out the budget in Israel. Or he didn't say we need to strengthen our army. The first order of business, Pastor Ben, first order of business was we need to go and get the Ark of the Covenant that's being in the land of the Philistines for the last 17 years. We've been doing life without his presence. <laughs> We've been having, running as a nation without his presence. The first thing we're going to do is go and get his presence. And they went and got his presence. That's the equivalent of Pastor Ben becoming the pastor of the church. And he's, he has a board meeting and he says to the board, the first thing we're going to do and we're doing nothing else is we're going to pursue his presence. We're going to do whatever we've got to do to make sure his presence is among us. Amen. And then so they, they go and get the, the Ark of the Covenant. They're coming back. And something happens there with the Ark of the Covenant. It, it fumbles and it tumbles and it, and it falls and, and, and God got angry. And the Ark of the Covenant was placed in the, in the house of a, of a man named Obedidim. And, and uh, David cries out one of the greatest prayers in the Bible. He says, he says, how shall the Ark of the Covenant come to me? That is the prayer that every pastor needs to pray in this nation of Australia. How shall the presence of God come to us? How shall his glory come to us? Because there is a way. <laughs> there is a way. And, it, and it's not the way that we've been told for the last 20, 30 years how to do church. There is a way. There's a biblical way. How shall his presence come to us? Church, church should be about having an encounter with God. Can you say amen, church? It, ch church has lost the flavor and it's losing that dimension in the, in the modern church where it's, it's a, come to church and have an encounter with God. The purpose of church is to encounter God and to make disciples. And unfortunately, the church has done everything else but this for su such a long time. Church has just become another place, just another gathering, and where we throw a little bit of Jesus in there. Amen. In Genesis chapter 28, you don't, don't have to go there, but uh, Jacob, and I'll get to this lady soon, this woman here. I haven't forgotten about her. But uh, Jacob has an encounter with God in Genesis chapter 28, verse 16 to 19. You can read it. He just has this moment with God. Angels are descending and ascending. The, 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 the power of God is there. And, he's, and he calls the place Bethel. He calls the place Bethel. He, has a, he says, surely the presence of the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. It's an awesome place. Everybody say Awesome. It's, it's an awesome place. The presence of the Lord is here. And he called the name Bethel. Now, Bethel means house of God. So he had an encounter and he had a revelation. This place where God's presence is, is Bethel. It's called the house of God. But if you go and, and you go and read uh, further down in Genesis chapter 34, 
5, verse 1 to 7, don't miss this, Jacob goes back to Bethel. He goes to Bethel, and he has another encounter with God at Bethel. Where? At the house of God. When he has an encounter with God at Bethel, after the encounter, he builds another altar, and don't miss this, and he calls the name of that altar El Beth El. Oh, hallelujah. Those of you that are theologians and Bible scholars, you just got that in your spirit. Can I, can I just break it down? He goes, he goes back to Bethel. He goes back to church. <laughs> he goes back to the house of God. And at the house of God, he has another encounter with God that is real. Because if you read from, 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 um, from, chapter, from chapter 28 to chapter 35, although, although Jacob had an encounter with God and he called it house of God, there really wasn't much change in Jacob's life. He's still Jacob. Jacob means deceiver. He still has idols He's still living a life that's not really revealing that God is Lord. Amen. But he goes back to the house of God and now he has an encounter with God and he calls it El Beth El. So what does that mean? El means God. Beth, house. El, God. Mm, hallelujah. This is what happened. He had an encounter with the God of the house of God. You could have got a little bit more excited with that. He, he, he has an encounter with the God of the house. And now his name is changed, Israel. Now God gives him a covenant and now everything changes in his life. He had an encounter with the God of the house. There are too many today that are having an encounter only with Bethel. They're having an encounter with the house of God. They love the house of God. Amen. They love the, the programming, the culture, the building. They love, they love the, the things that we do in the house of God. And that's part of it because that's an introduction to people into the house of God. But then we must introduce people and create a pathway where they encounter the God of the house of God. Where they experience the God of the house. And that's where everything changes. But I'm concerned that today we're raising up a modern church generation where we are having encounters only with the house of God. So we go to a brand we go to a church that has a brand. We go to a church that has a vision. We go to a church that has a certain style of music that I like. We go to a church that has a connect group that, that service my needs. We go to a church that has a little kids program and a youth program and a sewing class program and, and, and a distribution for food program and all those things. There's nothing wrong with the house of God. But God wants to take us further. Because we can have all those things and just, just become religious. We just tick the religious box. 
box and I go to church and I'm part of that church and I'm part of that house and I'm part of that denomination and, I'm, and this is how we do church and, and we can have a good old time just doing church without God's presence. And nothing really changes in my life. I'm still the same. There's no transformation. There's no holiness. There's no, there's no living a life that is set apart. There's no, there's no, there's no life that, that, that testifies and is a light out in the world and testifies Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. And we can do that year after year and year after year and just encounter the house of God. But it's when you have an encounter with the God of the house, when you have an encounter with the presence of God, when God comes and meets you and you meet God and His glory comes all over you and His presence comes inside of you, His Word becomes alive. Hallelujah. Worship just goes to another level. That's when things begin to change in your life. Can you say amen, church? I think God's getting ready to raise up a church in this nation that could care less about just having the house of God. We want a a church is going being raised up that wants to experience the God of the house, the God of the house. Hallelujah, the God of the house. This woman in in Luke chapter fifteen represents the church, the bride of Christ. Her house represents the building, the house of God. Now, the coin that she lost in the house represents the presence of God. Now, stick, bear, bear with me and, and follow me with this so, so we can get something out of this this morning. This woman, when she was married to a man, became a wife, to a husband, they would be given a necklace. They would put the necklace around their neck or they would put it here, around their head. And it had 10 coins. And the 10 coins, when she would walk out in public, would tell everyone that she was married. The 10 coins represented that she, she was for the lack of a better term, she was owned by someone. She was off limits. She was holy, separate to a man, for a man. The 10 coins represented she was complete. Actually, number 10 in the Bible represents the number of completion, wholeness. So when she lost this coin, it was very important to her. This is why she got so desperate because that 10th one represented I am married, I belong to a man, I am complete. Now, the moment she lost that coin, she got desperate and began to do something to find that coin. Now, again, spiritually, there's a teaching here that that one coin for us, the church, represents the presence of God because it's the presence of God that makes the church complete. It's the presence of God that makes the church the church. It's the presence of God that makes the church whole. Without his presence, I wouldn't wouldn't go to church. Without his presence, we cannot even worship right. Without his presence, we just have a good time but not a God time. It's his presence that makes the difference. So it's his presence that makes the church complete. But But here's the problem. 
this, this lady, she, she could have easily have said, well, I've got nine. I've got nine coins. Why, do I, why should I get so desperate for that one? I've got nine. But that would not have been honest from her. It would not have been in, on, on her end. It would not have been uh, faithful to her husband. So she got desperate. When we as a church, now there are, there are levels to God's presence, okay? There are levels to God's presence. And we, we want to we go up. You know, you remember the river in Ezekiel, the ankle deep, knee deep, waist, and just to throw yourself in and just let the current take you. How many of you would like to throw yourself in and just let the current take you? Amen. <laughs> so there are levels to God's presence. And it's got to do with our desire. It's got to do with our pursuit. It's got to do with what the brother said before, posture. Very important. Amen. But this is what happens with us. We start losing the presence. And we can apply this into our personal life, and, and I'll do that soon. But I'm talking more about the church this morning. What happens is if we start, start losing that presence... And the present starts going. And this is what we, we say, oh, but we've got nine other things that we do. You know, we, we've got the other nine things that we do. We're okay. We, we, can, we can function. We've got so much going on in our church. We've got, we've got programs. We've got uh, vision. We've got culture. We've got all these other things that we do that we can, we, can have church without his, we can have church without His presence. Do you remember what the Apostle Paul says? Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. That word grieve means do not ignore Him. Do not put Him in the back corner. And sometimes with our, with our attitude, we, we tell the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, we've got this. We know how to do church in, the 20, in 2022. You, you, you're from the New Testament. We, we can do church. We can do worship. We, we can package church to a, to a nice Sunday morning experience for people. Amen. And we, and we grieve him and we, and we put him in the back corner. We quench him. Do you remember in the, in, in the Revelations chapter 2, the church at Ephesus Jesus said to the church at Ephesus, you're a good church. Pastor Ben would love to have a church like the church of the book of Ephesus. They were patient. They, were, they, were, uh, persevered. they persevered. They knew how to discern between true and false apostles. They, they, were, they were an honest church. They were, they were a strong church. At least, listen to this, at least nine good qualities of the church of, of Ephesus. Nine. So they had these nine things. Strong church. But then in verse 4, Jesus says, but. Everybody say, but. <laughs> but I have this against you. You have left your first love. You have left your passion. You have left your zeal. You have left your enthusiasm. You have left your hunger. You, you, you're doing church and and." Good qualities, strong church, but there's no presence. There's no power. There's no passion. The church of Laodicea, 
in chapter 3 of Revelations, this is, this is one of the most spine-tingling verses in the Bible where Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone can hear my voice, come on. If anyone can hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and dine and sup with you. What's, what's Jesus doing outside his church? What's Jesus doing outside his church? And this is the interesting thing. If anyone can hear my voice, which means in the church of Laodicea, there was a whole lot of activity going on in the church. There was a whole lot going on. There was a lot of commotion. There was a lot of movement. There was a lot of activity, but no anointing. The very fact that Jesus, if you can hear my voice through all the things that you're doing, through all your busyness, through all your programming, if you can hear my voice through your busy life and open the door and let me in to my church, I will come in. But it's, it's like the church of Laodicea, they said, no, we are rich and we are, we are wealthy and we've got it all together. And Jesus says, don't you know that you're wretched and you're blind and naked? But we've, it, to, the, to the outside, it looks like it, it, we've got it all worked out. But there's no presence. Let me in. And so this is the thing. Yes, nothing wrong with the nine things. Nothing wrong with all the other things that we do. There's nothing wrong with the programming. There's nothing wrong with all the, all the activities. There's nothing wrong with all the, 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 the house of God, the, the things that we do. But there is something wrong when all those things are done and we've lost the most important thing. That is the presence of God. Can you say amen, church? And this is the thing. When she lost the coin, what does she do? What does she do? Number one, she lit a candle. She lit a candle. How, how, can we, how can we find God's presence? How can we make sure God's presence is increasing and, and, and uh, going higher and higher in our life and it's, and it's ablaze in our life, personal life and in our church? We, we don't say, oh, that's okay. That's okay. I've got the nine. That's all right. Let's just sing, let's just hear a sermon, let's just have church and let's just go home and live our busy life. That's okay. No, no. what do we do? First thing, first thing, something's not right. We need his presence. Something's not right. We need his glory. Something's not right. People are coming to church week after week after week and there's no change. There's no transformation. Something's not right. We need his presence in our church. We need his presence. And first thing, light the candle, which means that that house was dark. There was darkness in the house. Amen. Light the candle. The, the candle being lit talks about God's word and talks about the anointing. Because for that candle to be lit, back in those days, it didn't, it wasn't, they didn't go and switch the light on. They had to put on a candle and they had to actually uh, put oil, olive oil to light the candle so the fire would burn. And the, the light represents the Word of God. The light represents Jesus, and the oil represents the anointing of the Holy Spirit. 
So the first thing we must do in our life, in our personal life, in our church life, when we begin to sense that God's presence is diminishing, or in many churches God's presence is gone, the first thing is switch the light on. Turn the light on. The Word of God. The anointing of the Holy Spirit. In in the book of uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3, I just want to read this quickly, 1 Samuel chapter 3. Are we here this morning? Yeah? Say, I'm here, pastor. Someone say, preach it. Someone say, give it to me, pastor. (laughs) Come on. Let's get something out of this this morning. Hallelujah. 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1 to verse 3. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. There was, the word of the Lord was scarce in those days. There was no widespread revelation. There was darkness in Israel. And it came to pass at the time when Eli was laid down in his place and his eyes began to wax dim. What, what, what was happening to his eyes? His eyes were beginning to wax dim and that he could not see. That's a spiritual teaching there that there was darkness coming over Israel. Amen. If you read chapter 1 and 2, Eli the prophet, his children are running rampant in the house of God. (laughs) They're sleeping with the women. And and Eli the prophet is not dealing with their sin and he's just allowing this to go on. And so the next step, God's greatest judgment upon a, a nation, God's greatest judgment upon a church is his word become scarce. There's no revelation. There's no word from God. There's no thunder from heaven. That's why we just have talks in churches today. That's why we have a lot of just seeker-sensitive messages today. It's just all self-help, self-esteem. There's no thunder from heaven. Come on. There's no David Wilkinson, praise God. We need, we need prophets to rise up in this generation. And I believe this church, God's going to use this church mightily in this region, praise God. If you believe that, say amen. And look at verse 3. And the lamp of God was going out in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was and Samuel was sleeping. Then the, the Lord called Samuel and he said, here I am. So what's happening here? The word of the Lord is scarce. There's no word. There's no revelation. There's no thunder from heaven. There's no anointed word. What follows is the lamp of God was going out in the temple. Which then, if you read chapter 4, if you read chapter 4, the daughter-in-law of Eli has a son has a son when she hears, because here comes the judgment. There's there's sin, then there's no word from God, there's no revelation, and, the, and then the light goes out, and the next thing is the presence of God is taken away. If you read chapter 4, the Philistines came in and took the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, and Eli's daughter-in-law has a son. When she hears they've taken the Ark of the Covenant, she calls the name of the boy Ichabod. Who knows what Ichabod means? Ichabod means the presence has departed. Oh, 
But do you see this, this pattern? It starts with this, there's just rampant sin in the church. There's easy living, grace, 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 grace. The hyper grace, hyper grace message. Amen. Let me say something about that. Is it okay, Pastor? Can I say something? Yeah. Jesus, the, John chapter 1, verse 16, I think it is, says, Mo, The law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Everybody say, Grace and truth. Two things. Grace is God's love for me. Truth is me obeying it, showing God that I love Him. So today, it's, it's just God loves you. I know God loves me. God loves you. God loves you. He loves you so much. Yes, we know that. The question is, do I love God? And how do I know that I love God, brother? How do I show God that I love Him? Jesus says, if you keep my commandments. Oh, do we, have to, do we have to produce works? Do we have to live a certain way? Oh, do I have to obey? See, but grace never gives us permission to change truth. Let me say that again. Grace never gives us permission to change truth, to change law to change God's Word. What the Bible says is true. Come on, you can say amen this morning. I know this is getting a bit heavy, but you, you just stick with me. <laughs> amen. Uh, it's okay. Eli's just letting them run rampant in the house of God. Okay, so the next thing is no Word. And so you, got, you preach, you preach, but there's no revelation and there's, there's no anointing. And the, the light of God goes out. And then the next thing is, the presence of God is taken out. And then we do church without His presence. And we can do that. We can have church without His presence. So the, the lamp of God is going out in the temple. Why? Why is the lamp of God going out in the temple? Representing the Word of God in the temple is going out. Well, two times a day, the priest had to go into the temple and he had to change the oil. In the morning and in the evening. Eli is so spiritually dead that he doesn't even realize that the lamp of God is going out in the temple and he was sleeping and he didn't change the oil. Oh, hallelujah. So what happens when the lamp of God is going out? You know what starts to happen? Smoke. Smoke starts to fill the temple. Have you seen that whenever a fire is going out? Just before it goes out, Smoke starts to come out. So the temple of God was being filled with smoke. You know what I call that? Smoke and mirrors Christianity. Smoke and mirrors church. It seems like something's happening, but it's all smoke and mirrors. Smoke and mirrors is a term that was used by a magician back I don't know how many hundreds of years ago, German magician, that, that he, he would trick people. Trickery. It's all smoke and mirrors. Well, so that's what happens when there's no word, when there's no anointing, even though we can have a lot of activity and a lot of noise, a lot of programmings, 
much is going on. It's just all smoke and mirrors. It's, it's, it, it's an apparent, it's, it's, it's apparently God's presence is there, but it's all smoke and mirrors. So we need to turn the light on. We need the Word of God. When God says He spoke, when there was darkness in Genesis chapter 1, hovering the face of the earth and there was disorder and there was, there was, a, there was a real void and emptiness on the earth, God spoke. He spoke a word and He said, let there be light. He spoke and light came. I, I, I want to tell you, church, I know what I'm preaching might not be popular, but this is the Word of God. We need the Word of God to be preached in the house of God under the anointing of the Holy Spirit once again. We need to come back to Bible preaching. We need to come back to prayer. We need to come back to fasting. We need to come back to worship. We need to come back, come on church, to real praise. And we need to come back to those things that the church of the book of Acts did and that, that served them so good. They didn't have microphones. They didn't have, you know, a keyboard player behind them. They didn't have auditoriums, but they had the presence of God. Because the light was shining. The, the anointing was flowing. It was burning. The light was on. You know, I, I don't know, anyone heard of A.W. Tozer? Oh, this is, this is a Pentecostal church, hallelujah. Some churches go, anyone heard of A.W. Tozer? Oh, who's Tozer? Is that a chocolate Tozer? What is A.W. Tozer lived 100 years ago. He wrote a, 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 a book powerful book. Uh, no, sorry, it wasn't a book. It was an article called Such Matters of the Church. And he wrote it a hundred years ago, and it's like he's writing it today. So if it was happening a hundred years ago, imagine today. And one of his quotes was, and I hope I can say this right. I've got it there somewhere, but he said, if the Holy Spirit was taken out of the church today, 90% of what we do would go on and no one would know the difference. And then he said this, if the Holy Spirit was taken out of the church of Acts, 90% of what they did would stop and everyone would know the difference. I think that's true. That's a challenge. Book of Acts Church. The Word of God. See, when the, the, the light on in the house of God, it's, com it's coming back. It's coming back to His Word. It's coming back to what worked. And, and, and again, nothing wrong with the nine things. I think that the church, has to, the church has to do things and the church has to be, can, church can be modern and we've got to be relevant. We do change our methods. We don't change our message. But we do change our methods, and those nine things are good. Yes, thank God for air conditioning. Thank God. Thank God you're sitting on a beautiful pew, and some of you are, I just wanted to, wanted to put yourself in a nice little, with a pillow, and you want to have a little sleep right now. Thank God for all these things. This is great, isn't it? Isn't it good? What a beautiful, isn't this a beautiful auditorium? Powerful, beautiful. Thank God for all these things. But all these things, Without the main thing, 
it's just of no benefit. We need the presence of God. Can you say amen, church? We need the presence of God. We need to come back to this simplicity of spiritual exercise. Turn the light on. And then the next thing is, how much? How long do I have to go? Whoa. Give me a few more minutes here. Switch the light on. Someone said to me once, Pastor, I don't feel God's presence in my church. Switch the light on. Pastor, I'm, I, I don't feel God's presence in my life. I, 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 I've lost the passion. I've lost the enthusiasm. I've lost the sense of his presence. I, I've lost the energy. But what do I do? Give me something. Turn the light on. What does that mean? Get back into his word. Get back into prayer. Get back into fasting. Get back into worship. What do you mean? Those things that worked for the church of the book of Acts. And then when we, listen to this, my, this is powerful. When you turn the light on, when, when someone starts preaching the word, when someone starts praying in the church, when the church starts fasting, and when a church starts to worship and the light starts, you know, turning on and begin, begin to fill up the house, the next thing is this. She picked up a broom and began to sweep the house. Everybody say, the broom of the Holy Spirit. So when, when the Word of God is preached, when we begin to do spiritual exercise, we, be, we go back to what worked for the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit picks up a broom and He starts to sweep the house. Uh-oh. He starts to sweep. And He starts to clean out and broom out all the rubbish that has has been poured on top of his presence. Come on. He starts to, we need a Holy Ghost broom today in the church. Just a, out. That doesn't work. That is humanistic. That is worldly. Out. And do you know, sometimes in my house, I, 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 I sweep the floors with the broom. And one day I was brooming my living room and I was doing this because there was a lot of rubbish there, a lot of paper. And when you've got four kids, there's a lot of rubbish that goes everywhere. And I'm doing this. And as I was doing that, it started to create a little wind. The paper was going like this. And the dust. And the Lord said to me here, he said, when the broom of the Holy Spirit starts to sweep the house, a wind starts being created and I begin to blow in my church. Remember Acts chapter 2, and there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. We need the wind of the Holy Spirit in the church once again. When we begin to turn the light on in our life, the Holy Spirit will begin to Sweep away that which doesn't please God. You know, I feel in my spirit that some of you here this morning, the, the, the rubbish that has, you know, silenced God's presence in your life is busy. We become so busy. We have no time for God. We get co consumed with life. Some of you have been burdened by trials and tests. Things are coming against you and it's silenced God's presence and the Holy Spirit today is going to sweep that away. 
It's going to sweep away the hurt. It's going to sweep away the test. It's going to sweep away the busyness. He's going to sweep away the apathy and the indifference. It's going to sweep it away. Come on, church, this morning. And then it says, as I close, if the piano player can come up and just begin to play softly. It says, and seek diligently till she find it. What does she do? This is what the brother was saying before. The posture, the pursuit. So we, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit starts to sweep. And then we, we, you and me, have to want it. How many of you want God's presence in this place above anything else? See, there's a seeking. And seek diligently till she find it. She's desperate. God is a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him. Second Chronicles says, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves, pray and seek my face. We've lost the art of seeking in the church. We've lost the art of diligently going after God. We've lost the art of, of pursuit, hunger. But you know why that happens? Because we're not desperate. Because we've got nine things. Someone says, you know, we, we live in one of the wealthiest countries in the world. Why do I need to go after God? I've got so much going on in my life. I've got money. I've got a house. I've got a car. I've got clothes. I've got food. There's no urgency. I was preaching in El Salvador once. A big campaign, three nights, thousand member church. And the pastor was driving us to the auditorium, and it was, up, it was up on a hilltop. The building, all it was was a roof. No walls. A thousand people in there. As we're driving to, to the auditorium, I see hundreds of people just walking, walking out of, the, out of the countryside. El Salvador is a third world country, so people are walking, walking to church. Can you believe that? They're walking to church. <laughs> And so a, mom, a mother's walking with a ba- you know, child here, a child here, a baby here, a baby here. And she's you know, going to, she's going to. And I, finally, I, said to, I saw all these hundreds of people walking like they were going somewhere. And I said to my wife, where are all these people going? She said, ask the pastor. And I said to the pastor, hey, brother, where are all these people going? And he said, they're going to church. I said, Really? They're walking. In Australia, if you don't have a car, we don't go to church. And I said, so I said, are they walking? He says, yeah, they're walking to church. And then he says to me, no, no, and they're not just walking to church. He says, some of them have walked three hours. And then he said this, and tonight when the service is over, they'll walk back home. They will walk through gang-infested suburbs, and some of them will get home no food in the fridge, amen, and not knowing what tomorrow holds. So you know what happened? When I came out into that auditorium, I walked out in the first song, the presence of God was already there. The power of God was there. 
The glory was there. I, I, I preached a simple message and people are like, altars are full. God moving. You know, when I, when I finished preaching that night, I, I thought, okay, that's a bit too much now. There was a huge line of, of young people and they wanted my autograph. I said, hey, I'm not, not, I'm, not, I'm not anything special. But they were just like, you brought the word of God tonight. And they were saying, and, they, and in their minds, you're from Australia. <laughs> you don't look like it, but you're from Australia. <laughs> you know what? I went back to my room. I said, God, okay, what? I said, God, I've got to ask you a question. Why? did that happen tonight? Why was there such a move from the very first song? Why was there such a presence? Why was there such a, an anointing? Why was there such a receptiveness to the word? Why were the altars full? Why did we see salvation's healings just so easy? I said, because God, it's the same preacher. It's the same word. I had preached that sermon somewhere else. It's the same anointing, but different results. You know what the Lord said to me? Because I asked him, I said, God, you've got to show me what, what is it. And the Lord said to me, it's the people. It's the people. He said, wherever I find hungry people, wherever I find people that are willing to persist and to diligently seek me and are hungry for me and are desperate for me, I move. I show up. I manifest my power. My presence comes. But you know what, the other side of the coin, listen to this church, wherever I find a people that are just happy with the nine, just happy to do life without my presence, happy to do church without my presence, you know what the Lord said? I just stay right here. I will not move where I'm not invited, where I'm not pursued. Posture. I love what that brother, brother said. Posture. So important. We need to come back to this in the church. You know, the, the, the third world countries, they've got it. They've got it. God's going to do something in this nation of Australia. Till we, we say, yeah, okay, we got ninth. Yeah, we got the ninth things. We're, we're, we got a lot going on for us as a church, but... There's that one dimension that we're missing, and we want it. We're going to turn on the Word of God. We're going to pray for the anointing. We're going to pursue. We're going to fast. We're going to worship. We're going to seek His face. We're going to allow the Holy Spirit to sweep the house, sweep the house, and then we're going to diligently seek it until we find it. And look at this. And when she finds it, guess what happens? She says, rejoice with me. For I have found the peace that was lost. You know what that means? She was sad. She said, rejoice. Rejoicing, joy means revival. Psalms 86 verse 5, 6. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you be angry with us forever? That your people will not rejoice in you again? There are many believers that have lost the joy. They've lost the passion. But we find his presence. 
So you think, oh, but if I just get another car, <laughs> if I just get another house, a bigger house, I'll, you know, if, if, pastors, we, this is what we think. If I go to another conference and they give me five steps to grow my church and I bring it back and I do it, and after one year, guess what? You'll be frustrated again. Trust me. I've been there, done that, and it just leaves pastors burdened and burnout happens. Because you go to hear brother so-and-so that's got 20,000 people in his church and he gives you the five steps to grow your church and it worked for him and you come back to your church and say, right, right, and you get everyone excited. We're going to do this now. We're going to do this now. And this is going to be the golden key and it's going to work. And then six months later, you look around and you go, hmm, hasn't really worked. So then you go to another conference. I went to so many conferences and I came back and, and you do so many things. And one day the, whole, the Holy Spirit said to, me, said to me, you're grieving me. You know what he said to me? He says, I think I know how to do church. That's what he said to me. I think I know how to do church. Oh, we go through fads, don't we? Write the vision. Write the vision. I went to a conference once and the pastor said, your vision has to fit on a shirt. If it doesn't fit on a shirt, it's not good enough. So you've got to be short, it's got to be attractive, and that's going to be the next thing for you. So everyone's, nothing wrong with, I just saw that over there, nothing wrong with writing vision. That's, that's one of the nine things, nothing wrong with that. But when we have those things without the main, where's the last, I'm trying to think of the last conference I went to, and maybe I, I went to one this year, where they got up and said, the next thing you need to do is seek his presence. You need to get your church praying. You need to get your church fasting. You need to get your church worshiping. Pastor, you need to preach the Bible. You need to get on your face during the week and seek God for a word from God and then come to Sunday morning, open up your Bible and preach, thus says the Lord. When's the last time we heard that? That's not popular. But that'll bring the presence. How many of you want the presence of God this morning? We need it. And it'll bring a rejoicing, a revival. Let's all stand up. Hallelujah. Let's raise our hands to the heavens all over this place. You know, I could preach on so many different things, but God always, I'm finding lately when I travel, God saying, preach to the church about my presence. I so want to be part of their life. I so want to be involved. But I'm not going to push myself. If they just want the house of God, they can have the house of God. They can build the house of God. But if they want the God of the house, mm, I'm there. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Lord. Can we just begin to worship? One of the quickest ways for God's presence to come is worship. Just worship. I believe, oh, hallelujah, I believe we're just going to enter in right now into Shikatalababasikirianda. Oh, Baba The broom of the Holy Spirit is sweeping. Oh, hallelujah. The broom of the Holy Spirit is sweeping. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah.
Come on, let's begin to raise that level. Begin to raise your level of worship. Come on. We need your presence, Lord. We need your presence, Lord. We thank you for the nine things, God. we're, we're, We're appreciative of what you've given us. But we want that one main thing. We want that coin. We want your presence that is lying under rubbish, that is lying under things that we do. We want to find your presence, that we will rejoice in you once again. Bring a revival to your church in this city. Bring a revival to your church in this nation. Let it not just be business as usual. Let us understand as pastors, as leaders, as a church body, that your presence makes the difference. It's your presence that brings healing. It's your presence that saves the lost. It's your presence that delivers the captives. It's your presence that breaks addictions. It's your presence that demons fear. Come on, if you agree with me this morning that we need His presence, begin to just raise your voice. Come on. Hallelujah, hallelujah, Lord. We worship you, Lord. Blessed be your name, Lord Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things that I've made, Lord. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things that we've made church, Lord. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things that we've made worship. When it's all about you, Lord, it's all about you, Lord. It's about your light shining. It's about you being glorified. It's about you being exalted. It's about you having your way. Sweep away all that which is no use. Sweep away all that which is no blessing. Sweep away all that that has taken your place. Sweep away all that which is from my past. Sweep away all that which is hurting. Sweep away offense. There's someone here in this place that you're offended. Someone did something to you. Someone hurt you. And that offense has suffocated your life, has suffocated your faith life. The Holy Spirit comes and begins to sweep away that offense right now in Jesus' name. Sweep it away, Holy Spirit. Begins to sweep away that offense. Begins to sweep away that unforgiveness. Begin to sweep away apathy. Someone says, Pastor, I was on fire for God. I used to preach. I used to witness. I was, uh, I was hungry for God, but I've lost the touch. I've lost the fire. I've lost the zeal. I'm so consumed with life. I'm consumed with busyness, the rat race. And, I, and I, want, I, want it, I want it today. I want more of God. The Holy Spirit comes now and begins to sweep away that apathy. Someone says, Pastor, I've been in church 20 years. I've become familiar. I familiarize myself with God. I familiarize myself with His house. Nothing moves me anymore. Nothing excites me of His word. Nothing excites me of His presence. 
We become familiar. The Holy Spirit sweeps that away in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, Lord. We need His presence, church. Let's diligently seek it until we find it. I always thank God for everything else that He gives to us as a church. I love it. I thank Him. But I never want to have all those things without His presence. I'd rather go and have church under a tree with His presence than in a cathedral without His presence. Can we just worship the Lord with a song? Maybe, I don't know if the time has gone, but can we just worship with a song? And I'm going to hand it over to Pastor. But if anyone just wants to just make a, a show of faith, a step of faith, as we sing this song. Yeah, amen. If you want that, come. As they, as they worship, come. Come to the altar. Come to the altar. As they sing this, if you say, God, this church needs a revival. This church needs to be a light that shines in this city. Lord, this church needs to have the Word of God ablaze. The Word of God shining in this. Lord, we need an awakening. If that's you, we'll sing this chorus and the altars are open. Come and find a place at this altar and we're going to pray. Let's desperately come. Let's desperately come in Jesus' name. I'm going to pray for this sister here. God's touching her right now. She's hungry. Hungry for God. Intercessor. Intercessor. Let's worship the Lord.